In a week that saw World Milk Day and after shortages on supermarket shelves a few weeks ago, then upsetting stories of pouring good milk straight down the drain, how is the dairy sector now? When it hit, it hit sudden, didn't it? All the cafes closed, all the hospitality stopped, everything stopped. We'll talk to dairy farmer Mark Barnes in a moment and find out a bit about the Dairy Hardship Scheme. The Red Tractor Scheme's undergoing some changes and it's cereals online this week and we'll have a look at both in a moment. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you had a good week. Good bit of rain towards the back end of last week, which means we have a happy Sean Sparling on with agronomy shortly. And with the easing of some lockdown restrictions, maybe things are very slowly getting back to some form of new normal, however that may look. I'm Steve Orchard. Let's start with the week's headlines. A new kit is available for the farming industry to test for COVID-19 on surfaces such as packaging and handling facilities. COVID-19 can survive on surfaces for up to 72 hours and the kit offers a way to help protect farm employees and the public from the virus. There's details available from Eurofins Agro UK. Wool is joining other agricultural commodities in suffering sharp falls in prices as a result of the pandemic. The global market has been shut since February and it remains so. Uh, The average price paid for the 2019-20 clip will be just over half the price paid in 2018, around 32 pence per kilo, according to the Wool Cooperative. Meadow Foods is set to open a new site to produce a range of high-quality plant-based ingredients. The £4 million segregated facility will be at their Chester site and it's being opened to meet what the company sees is a growing public interest for dairy alternatives. And one of the biggest agricultural events of the year, Cereals, moves to an online show for 2020 and it's on this week. Hello to Olivia Cooper. Olivia, what can we expect from Cereals Online? Well, we're trying to deliver as much of the physical event as we can online. So we will have the full seminar program running from 8 till 8 every day. Uh, We will have videos from crop plots. We will have videos from the soil pit where you get beneath the surface. We will have a demo ring, which will be videos of all sorts of innovative technology, um, videos of sprays and sprayers all of the latest kits that people would want to see at the real event. And as always, a lot of educational opportunities, I guess. Certainly, yes. I mean, one of the difficulties that people have faced this year is accruing um, professional development points because they haven't been able to get out to events. So we're, we're able to offer them professional development points through the seminar programme. Um, and there'll also be a bit of fun. There'll be some networking. We've got a virtual beer tent with a DJ Um, People can raise money for our charity partner, RABI, um, and just generally sort of get get to chat a bit, which will be uh, something everyone wants to do. That is one of the big things, isn't it, about the, quote, real shows or the the more conventional shows, that that socialising, that meeting up with people you perhaps only see once or twice a year, uh, swapping ideas, swapping thoughts and so on. That's the one thing that's difficult to replicate on an online show. It is. And it's one of the things that everybody will miss. So... Um, We've actually created a way for people to interact with exhibitors as well. So exhibitors who want to speak to their customers, um, they they can do that. We've set up so web chat and um, and, and there's the opportunity for some to have video chats as well. So uh, we're we're trying to make it as interactive as possible in these um, rather strange times. It's looking good and sounding good. Cost? Free. You just have to go to the Serials event website 
www.serialsevents.co.uk and register and you can access all of the content for nothing. Are you looking for people to register in advance, Olivia, or can they just log on on the day? Uh, we're recommending that they register in advance and then have a play with the technology just to make sure they it, it all works on their computer. Um, the seminars are also limited in number. Um, so if people are keen to log into a particular webinar, then um, then it's worth registering a bit in advance. Excellent. This is on Wednesday and Thursday, 10th and the 11th. What times is it on from and it's to? It's from 8 in the morning until 8 at night um, with with a mixture of the webinars run until about 7 o'clock and then there is some more informal networking afterwards. Lovely. And give me that website one last time. Serialsevent.co.uk Olivia Coleman, many thanks. I caught up with an old friend of the farming programme, John Smith, from Louth Tractors a couple of days ago for an update on their business. And inevitably, the conversation turned to the Ag Bill and a high-profile petition that's aiming to reverse the proposed changes to the application of food production standards. Hello, John. Steve, the first words of the day, good morning. Second words of the day, Jamie Oliver. I'll come back to it later. Right, well, good morning, yes, and uh, okay, I'll hold you to that. I'll make a note. Let me write Jamie Oliver down so we don't forget that. Um, how's things okay. with you anyway, John? Oh, a bit mixed. Um, the farms, so we've had a drop of rain overnight yesterday too. It's just freshened things up a bit. Some of the crops look, well, abysmal, absolutely abysmal, mm. but some things look fairly well. Um, certainly not going to be a big harvest unless something changes very radically. No, we've um, got a bit of the wet stuff for a few days, a but I don't shorter, think there's going to be an awful lot of it, is there? No, we've just cut some wonder, made some wonderful hay, so that's a big big plus. We've got some surplus if anybody's needing hay. Uh, we're short of grass, grazing grass, which is amazing at this time of year. But it's just mm. so dry, isn't it? We've had three months mm. of 24 mil in total, so what do we expect? That's it. How's COVID and things affected your business at Louth Tractors? much like everyone else, and that some and some. So because it's been such a busy spring on the farms, the workshop and the parts department have been really busy. We've had to close the shop, and the ground care, sadly, had to sort of disappear for a while. And so people relating to mowers and the likes took furlough and stayed at home. And so we reopened with with all the necessary rules and regs. Sales-wise, interestingly, although we didn't have any domestic customers coming through the door, the, um, the sort of online sales um, took up some of the slack and we actually sold out a ride on mowers, partly because sales were okay and partly because we couldn't get any more supply. Um, we've had a few issues getting parts, particularly from northern Italy, but not too bad. Probably not as bad as you'd expect. So I think trucks have uh, sort of not, not um, you know, they've been moving around Europe fairly freely. So some and some is the response. Is there anything new coming on the market equipment-wise? Um, I think, the, as we've talked about before, the, the, the acceleration of uh, direct drilling and strip tilling continues apace. That's where we picked up. We've had a really busy spring on the farms ourselves, done quite a bit of contract work for other farmers. Um, because it's so dry, it's worked perfectly. So, there's, yeah, we've had some good sales on strip tillage equipment. We've taken on a couple of new franchises, so we now... We can now you know, sell um, sort of high-tech manure spreaders, and uh, we've got a different a different brand of um, UTVs and quad bikes. So that's just happening, so that's quite exciting. So I guess we could also, although I don't think we're going to, we could also sell skidoos and the likes now. This brand do. 
So I'm not sure there's much, uh, and snow bikes. I'm not sure there's too much call for that in Louth, but you never know. Now then, Jamie Oliver. I think the excitement and the dismay in the farm community at the moment over the decision on the Ag Bill amendment mm. is, 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 is as catastrophic as anything I think I've ever seen. And the mood is probably worse than, than you know, the, the ups and downs and gloom and doom of the Brexit. And of course, Jamie Oliver has got hold of this quite rightly as a, you know, an out and out foodie. And he's doing an online petition. I just would implore everybody to sign up to it, please, because we are being sold down the river. I think that's his term. Agriculture is being sold down the river by this, uh, or two rivers, the Mississippi and the Amazon, I think was his quotation. <laughs> so he's very, very vocal on this subject. And if anyone has seen his, his, his blogs, his communications, they're absolutely excellent. So, yeah, please go online, find Jamie Oliver and sign up to his petition. Hopefully it'll do a bit of good. I think what's really bugging everyone is that Michael Gove, of all people, promised that this, this subject, the, the welfare standards and environmental standards, would be set in stone, would be put into law. And of course, it's not happening. So we're going into the negotiations and we've basically told other countries that we won't insist on either proper ag standards or environmental rules. And there's no reference at all to climate change. So it all seems, it's like playing cards and telling everybody what your cards are. Why do you think course, they're, they're um, doing think the, this? Uh, I think it's free trade at all costs. It's like a deity. It's just, and agriculture is relatively easy to sacrifice. And where it leaves British agriculture is that we do have high standards, but high standards come at cost. Lots of, don't get me wrong, lots of countries have really high standards. We're not alone. But the high standards at Farmgate come at a cost. You know, we have audits and bureaucracy and involvement and red tractor and standards that have taken a generation to get to. And it's, it's, it's great. I don't think anyone wants to sacrifice anything that we do. But the bug there and the upset is the fact that we're going to allow unfair competition from countries that openly promote the fact that they do not have such standards. They allow products that have been banned in Europe and in Britain for donkeys. Now, where can we get the Jamie Oliver thing? It's just a case of going online and searching Jamie Oliver. Yeah, just... And petition. Yeah, I, so. yeah, and I mean, there, there are various others, but he, he seems to be the first out there doing a petition. Petition, rather, I saw he'd got 50,000 last Sunday alone. I haven't followed it since. But, um, yeah, give the fellow a bit of power to his elbow, that's all I say. That's John Smith from Louth Tractors. They're planning a celebration of the easing of some restrictions with an open day, a field day, on the 8th of July. Fingers crossed that can go ahead. Have a look at their website for details. To agronomy now, and welcome a happy Sean Sparling. Good morning. Yes, morning, Steve. A fantastic end to the week. I could not be happier, actually. I've only taken 6.8 mil. It's Friday morning. I'm sitting on top of the world. It's chucking it down now. I refuse to wear my coat. I'm soaked through to the skin, um, and I'm trying to encourage it to keep raining, actually. Um, but I took 6.8 mil in the last 24 hours. I was coming out of Auburn Village last night at half past six, and it came down in stair rods. The road was level full with the kerb, and I understand out Basingham, Auburn, Stapleford Way, they took well over half an inch of rain, 12 
12.6 to 13.8 mil out there. A brilliant result, just what we needed. It may well just be in the nick of time and could just save Harvest 2020, but it can only really do good, particularly because it came straight down rather than in at a 45 degree angle on a howling gale. Because if you remember a few years ago, that combination of rain on wind flattened the spring barley. So thankfully in this jag, we haven't seen any of that. But it's also going to revitalise those residual herbicides that we have laid down in potatoes, sugar beet, in spring wheat, spring barley, winter wheat, peas, beans, linseed, maize. It's going to make them work and try and control these weeds. It's also going to boost the nitrogen uptake and the other nutrients in these crops and micronutrients to green them up from the bottom, to stand them in much better stead, to photosynthesize more efficiently, utilize the moisture more efficiently and fill that grain, which is the key really. So I'm I couldn't be happier really. It does bring one or two issues with it. Orange wheat blossomage has started to emerge. I can find those this morning out here on top of the world, but I'm really not worried about orange wheat blossomage. There's little I can do about them anyway in terms of spraying them. Only have resistant varieties in the field. That's really your best defence. But remember that it takes about 10 to 12 days from the emergence of the adult to the point of egg laying. They have to emerge, then they have to meet, then they have to mate, then they have to cook those eggs and then they have to lay those eggs. That process takes 10 to 12 days. By that time, the ears of most wheat fields, now they've got a bit of rain on them and all that warmth underneath, they should be clear of the boots and once the ears clear of the boot, the risk is over because that midge can't complete its life cycle. Of course, the other issue it brings with it is wet weather at the onset of flowering means that potentially fusarium risk has just increased. If you've got wet conditions in the first 36 hours of anther production and flowering, then you need to be in there and spray as soon as possible with something like prothioconazole, tebuconazole, metconazole, probably the best three for the fusarium ear disease complex. Any later than that, um, you don't control the fusarium. Once it's in the ear, it's in, and there's nothing you can do once it's in. So applications of T4s and T5 fungicides, not only proving illegal, because once you start to get to watery ripe and milky ripe, most of these fungicides have a cutoff anyway. Um, and growth stages are going to move quickly, as we've just said. So just watch your timing, speak to your advisor. But unless you can get on in that first 36 hours of flowering, you're really doing not an awful lot of good against fusarium. So as I've said before, the knotgrass, the bindweed, the willowweed, the fat hen, all proving a challenge in most crops really, uh, particularly sugar beet and potatoes, but also in some of the spring barley crops that we've seen out there. That the, the contact activity has been compromised in the heats and now that residual should start to help from the bottom up. Remember if you're spraying Centurion Max in sugar beet, you have a 14 day interval you need to look at. Speak to your advisor, make sure you're safe. It's to do with the efficacy of the Centurion Max because if it's black grass you're after, you need to give it the best possible chance of doing that and what we're actually seeing in the field this year is a, the result of the neonicotinoid ban on oilseed rape and because we're now in year two of the ban on sugar beet we're starting to see the effects of that in terms of aphid numbers i've never seen so many aphids as I'm seeing this year. I was in a field of spring rape on Wednesday morning, turned a leaf, and every leaf you turn, there would be between three and 500 aphids. And it's because the tools we have left in our armory, pyrethroids in the main, aphids in general are pretty much resistant to those pyrethroids. And because we haven't got the help of the seed treatment from the neonic, they're absolutely flying out there, literally flying. I've never seen so many. So we, it's very worrying going forward. The numbers of aphids out there, 
the, the species of aphid, Mises persecute, the resistance to the tools we have. We desperately need another weapon in the armory to help us fight these insect pests. Otherwise, they're going to overrun us. And that is something we all need to be concerned about and be very vocal about. Also, of course, the weather is now perfect for potato blight and downy mildew. So you'll get downy mildew in spring beans, some varieties worse than others. In peas, you'll get it in potatoes as uh, potato blight, of course. So Smith period, as you know, two 24-hour periods with 15 degrees centigrade in 10 hours or more in each of those 24-hour periods and a relative humidity in excess of 90%. This is it. This is potato blight. So if you haven't started your programme, you may well need to and maintain those seven-day intervals if you possibly can. I think we're going to get rapid growth of crops now and weeds alike we're going to get rapid nitrogen uptake and nutrient uptake rapid greening 40 mil over the month would be absolutely fantastic for us 40 mil in 10 minutes on a Wednesday afternoon not so great but we get what we get there's no point worrying there's no point moaning it's nice to see a drop of water so let's see what the next seven days bring us Sean Sparling Sparling Agronomy Services thanks as ever if you wish to contact Sean his web website is sasagronomy.co.uk. Many weeks ago, after stories emerged of thousands of litres of perfectly good milk literally going down the drain due to the lack of a market, we reported on the parlous state of the dairy sector. Is it any better? I'll speak to dairy farmer Mark Barnes in a moment. And the red tractor scheme is undergoing changes. Why and how? It's coming up. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. One of the hardest hit sectors in agriculture is dairy. Mark Barnes is a dairy farmer from near Oakham. Are things getting any better, Mark? Uh, Things are getting more organised. I think that's the key. I think, obviously, no one saw this coming. And when when it hit, it hit sudden, didn't it? All the cafes closed. All the hospitality stopped. Everything stopped. And, of course, the logistics of moving milk around the country and farmers, what they were supplying, you just can't adjust cows overnight. It takes weeks to, to readjust these things. And, of course, it's very fragmented, the dairy industry. It all depends what contract you're on. If you like us, Stilton Cheese, or you're on a fresh waste contract, which is all hospitality, you know, the Stilton Cheese sales were impacted because all the deli counters or the restaurants were closed. And fresh ways is all hospitality that stopped overnight. So they literally had nowhere for the milk to go. And as it's gone on, milk has been gone elsewhere. Some's going to skim milk powder, and they have got a lot better organised. And that was always going to take time, but they have got. There's been a lot of hard work within the dairy industry. A lot of hard work. A lot. Many hours have been spent trying to sort the situation out. And it's not been easy. It's not been easy for the farmer. And to be fair, it's not been easy for the processors. Have you ever known a situation like this before, Mark? No, not so sudden. Usually, if things like milk quotas are coming in, you get an inkling, don't you? Mm. But with this, nobody saw it coming. And uh, that's why it's been so terribly hard on the farmers processes and everybody involved in the dairy industry how are prices prices absolutely went to nothing you could not give milk away and it's it's coming back now we're nowhere near what it needs to be obviously i think the spot milk price today is about 20 pence so 20 pence today what would it have been six months ago uh 
it'll be near 30, wouldn't it? We're about 10 mm. pence adrift. But it's bear in mind, it got to nothing literally four weeks ago. You could not give it away. And hence we saw these scenes of milk being poured literally down the drain. Cause yeah. Cause nowhere to go. Just, there was just nowhere to go. And like I said, the organisation, it just you can't just reroute milk. That It's a logistic nightmare, really. So what have you been doing as a business to well, the, try and help? Well, we sell Long Clawson Dairies, and that's all Stilton cheese. The first thing we were told is try and cut our production. So we fed as much milk as we could to calves. We were feeding a sort of a nearly 1,000 litres a day to, to calves to try and stop the production. We stopped our feed. We cut the feed out as much as we could. And uh, so we tried to drop production, and uh, Clawson also have had to reroute milk and to alter things. So uh, it's just, you know, we've all tried to, in, to make the impact as less as we can. So everyone has tried to do what they can. And following some fairly intense lobbying, NFU and so on, the government's announced this dairy hardship scheme. Is that going to be of help? How does it work? Oh, we hope so, but my wife is looking into it. And at the moment, I think it's an average milk price between the April and May. So we, I think you've got to be at least 25% under, which we will be, which will be that. And I think that some people, a lot of people, it will, it will be a, a huge benefit. And it's, was it up to £10,000, isn't it? It's 70% of 10000 isn't it? So you get seven. Mm. I mean, they're, they're worrying times, to say the least, aren't they? Um, have, I think it's the uncertainty. Have you any advice, tips for other people in a similar situation, for other dairy farmers? No, I just think it's. I just think every dairy farmer knows what they can do, and, and they've been doing it. They, they can't have done any more than what they've done. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just so difficult. Because something like a cow, you can't just turn a cow on and off. And, like, I'm serving cows now that's going to calve in next March. And I've got cows calving now. So you can't just alter your calving pattern, which, you know, which alters your flow of milk. These things take so long. You know, you just can't just put the brakes on. And then, equally, you can't just turn production on. So if they want some milk in a rush, it's not going to be there. Hmm. The milk is not going to be there. You can't just furlough the cows and then... You can't furlough <laughs> the cows. And then bring it's them a, back in again. No, you can't. And I think it could be very well possible that, you know, it could go the other way. When hospitality gets going and these coffee shops and everything opens, you know, you just can't turn the tap on. No. And there's a lot of milk being lost. We've lost a lot of milk because we've not fed the cows quite so well and they've not peaked at the peak yield. So they're not going to come back again. So we've lost a lot of milk, to be fair. Steve, it's the uncertainty. It's frightening, really. Concern for the future. Like so many in dairy, that's Mark Barnes from Summerbeat near Oakham. Thanks for joining us, Mark, and I do hope things improve and soon. You'll find details of the Dairy Hardship Scheme online. Just search dairy at gov.uk and applications open from the 18th of June. 
Red Tractor is a label recognised by shoppers for ensuring safe, affordable, traceable British food. The scheme has over 46,000 British farmer members producing food to standards amongst the best in the world. Jim Mosley is CEO of Red Tractor. Jim, why are changes being made to such a recognisable mark? The project that we've uh, that we've just launched has probably been 18 months in the making now. And when we started this project, there were really three objectives that we were trying to address. The first was how Red Tractor could provide even greater choice to its consumers. The second element of that was whether we could improve the clarity of labeling on schemes and so on to enable consumers to make a slightly more informed decision when they're purchasing. And the third uh, objective is whether or not in doing this, we could also look at ways of reducing the audit burden on farmers and growers. Uh, to explain that a little bit better, uh, Steve, we've um, Red Tractor, when it was first established, was always a very robust set of core standards that ensured that food was safe and traceable and responsibly produced and, and affordable for all. But we absolutely recognize that some consumers and some shoppers will demand more than that. So examples could be, I'd like to buy organic or I'd like to buy something that is focused perhaps more on animal welfare. And whilst those demands are met by a variety of excellent assurance schemes at the moment, our aim is that ultimately Red Tractor should also be able to offer that broader choice. And that's why we've developed these new marks. So um, you'll you'll see that uh, that the marks that we will be developing will be an enhanced welfare module, which is the one that we've just launched um, for broilers, for, for chicken meat. Um, We have a free-range standard, which we will now incorporate into our labelling. And I would guess that probably in the early part of 2021, we will launch the organic uh, mark as well. And that organic mark will be the very first British-only organic mark that gets into the marketplace. And the, there are changes to colours, aren't there, and things. What are we going to see on packaging in the future? There are. There are, Steve. So... Uh, um, whilst we, we in, in doing this project, we conducted an enormous amount of consumer research. And in doing that research, one of the things that the research told us is that there were opportunities to improve the, the, the old or the current Red Tractor logo. Um, and so we took all of those learnings on board. And yes, we have developed a complete new logo for Red Tractor itself for our core products. And the main changes to that is that we have um, updated the tractor that sits in the middle of the of the logo. We've actually put the words red tractor into our logo. They never appeared before. About the only company who has a logo without its name in. Um, and perhaps most importantly, we've put at the bottom of the logo the word certified standards. And the reason that we've done that is lots of our consumers would recognize red tractor and think it was probably quite positive and probably the shorthand for British. But more than that, they didn't really understand. But by incorporating the word certified standards underneath the logo, it vastly improves the understanding of the consumer and indeed the status of Red Tractor. So the the consumer now kind of gets that we set certified standards and we approve against those standards. So those are the changes that we made in our core logo. But in developing that, we then developed a a kind of a different label for each of those marks. So 
Um, for example, we've just launched into the poultry sector the enhanced welfare module. So it's a slightly different color uh, surrounding the, the, the label. And instead of certified standards at the bottom, we have enhanced welfare. And similarly, we have the same, uh, exactly the same approach for free range, and ultimately we'll have the same approach for organic. So if, for example, in 12 months' time, you walked into the poultry fixture of a major retailer, you would be able to see on the, on the, on the fixture the different tiers with the Red Tractor core products, certified standards, enhanced welfare, free range, organic. And I think in doing that, it, 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 it enables the consumer to more easily define and see those different tiers and therefore make those appropriate choices. And I guess with the situation we find ourselves in with the agriculture bill, dare I mention it, uh, at the moment, it's, uh, it's getting even more important to differentiate those standards, really, isn't it? Oh, I think it is. I mean, who knows what will happen either from the agriculture bill or indeed Brexit and where the trade deals are done and so on. But um, always our role will be to assure, reassure consumers that anything bearing the Red Tractor logo is safe and traceable and very responsibly produced. And I think we probably all know that the production standards in the UK and particularly behind the Red Tractor standards are some of the highest in the world. And therefore, um, Red Tractor could become extremely important uh, if we start, start to see our market changing and imports coming into the UK. So I think that um, having that broader choice under Red Tractor and having that clearer label and then Red Tractor itself really getting behind that and continuing to market uh, the brand and increase the amount of awareness amongst consumers will be absolutely critical for our industry. It can only be a good thing. Jim Mosley, CEO of Red Tractor, thanks ever so much for joining us on the Farming Programme. Thank you, Steve. Let's have our weekly look at the markets now with Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. This week, we're finally seeing some rain across most parts of Lincolnshire. At home, at the time of writing, I have recorded 10 millimetres, which has clearly done a good job, but more rain will be needed going forward. We should have a better idea of the crop conditions after the rain next week. But if this brings a more bullish sentiment, we could see more wheat coming to the market, both for old crop and early sales of new crop. Looking further afield, the crop condition reports have improved in France this week after the rain, but hot and dry weather conditions in southern Russia and the US plains have been reported, adding concern to their crops going forward. The US are also behind on exports compared to a year to date. All of this has given a price rise to the UK market. Oil seed rate was up €3.75 this week on futures, but has had a limited effect on the domestic market for old crop and new crop. Values remain similar to last week, with currency being the main influencer going forward. Moving on to barley this week, prices have risen slightly along with wheat. But there is growing concern over the barley yields given the dry period of weather we have had since drilling and no significant quantity of rain. After expecting a large barley crop six to eight weeks ago, how much will this dry period of weather affect the yield and quality? And in turn, will the UK barley prices rise on the back of this? Only time will tell, and we could be in a position similar to the wall seed rape, where we won't get a definitive answer until the combines actually start rolling. Will the coronavirus have an effect as more businesses go back to work? Currently, this doesn't look likely, as most restaurants, pubs and events are still closed or cancelled for the foreseeable future. But this could all change in the coming weeks.
Fertiliser. New season fertiliser prices were released by CF last week and since Yara and Origin, among others, have followed. The initial reaction was the price was high given the drop in oil prices and poor weather conditions in the UK experienced this year. It is clear that there is a lot of fertiliser, mainly nitrogen, still left on farm from last year that has not been applied. But if you look at current prices, the cost per unit of nitrogen has never been cheaper for many years. So, the likelihood of the cost going up in the second phase of pricing is very high. This could be the season to buy your fertiliser early, depending on how much is needed and your storage availability. Prices this week, feed wheat for June 159 to 161, August 162 to 164, November 168 to 170, February 171 to 173 and May 21 174 to 176. Milling premiums for new crop are currently 23 to 25 pounds. Oil seed rate prices remain similar as I said from last week for June at 308 to 310, August 310 to 312, November 320 to 322, February 323 to 325 and May 326 to 328. Feed barley risen again slightly with wheat June 123 to 125. A slight drop going into new crop for August of 121 to 123. November 129 to 131. February 132 to 134. May 135 to 137. Malting premiums are circa £6. Many thanks to Kit Dickinson from Openfield. They're contactable at openfield.co.uk. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A quieter day today and to start the week as the gusty winds of the last couple of days ease away. Such wind as we have for the early part of the week will be northerly, keeping a lid on temperatures and some rain around today and tomorrow, maybe three or four millimetres, but then dry for the rest of the week. Monday brings winds from the north at around 14 miles per hour through the day, cloudy with a high of 12 Celsius. Little warmer on Tuesday with just a light breeze from the north, maybe a few sunny spells and highs of 14 Celsius as a high-pressure system moves in for the second half of the week. Dry and cloudy for Wednesday with just a gentle breeze, highs of 16 Celsius and back to some sunshine on Thursday and Friday. Winds picking up a little from the northeast with speeds into the mid-teens MPH and a high of 17 to 20 Celsius for Thursday and Friday. The farming programme will be back at the same time next week. It's now available online and on the app and from wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, always good to hear from you. Contact via the website or tweet at Farming Show. I'm Steve Orchard. Stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.